to Composing Myself, a special podcast series celebrating 50 years of great composers at Wise Music. Presented by Jill Graham and Dave Holly. Welcome to today's Composing Myself podcast, um, and we're joined by multi-award winning um, Icelandic composer Anna Thorvaldsdottir. Welcome, Anna. Thanks for joining us. How are thank you? you? Good, thanks. Good. How are you? Yes, very well, thank you. Um, Good. I'm in London. Jill's in somewhere in deepest rural Suffolk. Yeah, and where are you today, Anna? Uh, I'm in Reykjavik, actually, today. Uh, I've been here for recordings with the Iceland Symphony, so... And then I'm going back tomorrow. What have they been recording, Anna? Can you remind me? Yeah, Catamorphosis. That's great. Dave, that's Anna's piece for which she won the uh, Ivan Novello Composer Award. Anna, I think this is going to be the most obvious question of the day, really. Uh, but we'd love you to share a little bit about what inspired you to, to, to become a composer, really. Yeah, I mean, that's a really good question. I think it's uh, it's a very it's very much based on kind of need to create music. And uh, I mean, I was always when I was little since I was a child, I remember making music, but not writing it down at that point. Um, so it was always in me. Um, and I was then later as a teenager and I uh, was studying the cello and um, getting to know more and more contemporary music and and that's when my kind of imagination really opened up to what is um, possible and you know uh, in in contemporary music uh, so it kind of really emerged um, quite naturally and organically um, and I started writing music and more and more music so it gradually just took over uh, the cello playing, which I was, I was very serious about the cello, um, practicing many, many hours a day. Um, but that became kind of composing many, many hours a day. Um, so it's very hard to kind of pinpoint any one thing because it's a combination of many things that allows you to kind of pursue this, um, passion in life. And, um, yeah, you know, um, it's an internal need, kind of, first and foremost, like that's what mm. drives, drives you as a, as a music making um, artist. Where, where were you growing up, Anna? Was that in Reykjavik? Yeah, well, I grew up, I was born in a, in a small town just outside of Reykjavik. And uh, I was living there until I was uh, 15. And then I moved to another small town uh, and did my um studies there for a couple of years and then I moved to Reykjavik when I was around 19. I, I think Iceland has an amazing cultural impact across the world, across books and music and I've been reading films and television but I've been re reading a lot of um, Icelandic detective stories recently, yeah. <laughs> all based in the very north of Iceland where it seems to be permanently night and lots of snow and bodies disappearing off mountainsides. <laughs> yes, I mean, I know it's quite dark, isn't it? Mm. I mean, it's, it's, 
I think it kind of naturally emerges and, and I think there's no coincidence that all of these crime um, series and books take place kind of in northern Iceland. I mean, it's also dark in Reykjavik during the winter, but there's just something a bit epic about it and the kind of, um, also just the, the amount of untouched land, like because we in Iceland it's not possible to live except at the, at the shoreline really. Um, so, yeah, it, it seems to breed quite epic art in a sense. And it seems to have a, a real cultural impact way beyond Iceland, doesn't it? What, what, why do you think that is? Does it speak to something inside all of us? That is almost impossible to answer. I mean, it's, um, I think that there's a certain amount of freedom in, in Iceland that, as, that you have as a person and to be able to kind of pursue your passions. And I think that's um, a big part of why you can spend time doing what you love. And if you can't do that and, uh, and it gets audience, then, then that kind of tends to snowball. It's, it's very hard to pinpoint any one thing, but I think it's like a combination of, of different things. For example, in music here, there are wonderful music schools not very expensive uh, for kids to learn music and and you know and the same goes for you know the Iceland literature scene which is huge Um, yeah I think it's interesting Anna you're talking about uh, having first sort of committed yourself to be a cello player and then the sort of impulse to write music seemed to have become rather overwhelming um, what was, can you remember the first time you heard a piece of music that you, you've written that was played by someone else? So actually that was the first time that I ever, um, took, um, a class in composition. I was around 20 years old and I was studying the cello and, uh, and there was a teacher there who offered a composition class for those who wanted to enroll. And I was so shy. I, I almost, I didn't have the nerve. I didn't want to show him what I was writing. Um, and he had to basically, you know, really draw me out of myself uh, to kind of show him what I was doing. And he had, uh, we had actually uh, performers from the school playing that. And actually I, I owe him uh, a lot of thanks because he was very supportive. And even then my first uh, kind of, the first time really writing music was um was a very good experience for me and he was so supportive and really encouraged me to continue to uh, do this so that was the first time how did it feel when you heard it I, i'm trying to remember i think i was a, very stressed <laughs> so maybe i don't even remember but yeah i mean it's it, it's amazing it's an amazing feeling it always is but i think it was also um, very surreal at that point you know, um, also because it was surreal for me to, uh, you know, at that point, hand the music over to somebody else. Like, I mean, I was myself playing, so I knew perfectly well what you do when you get music and you perform it. But um, that had never been my music before. But I, actually, from then on, I, I started also playing my own music in, in groups. Um, so, yeah. 
But I don't think I remember specifically the feeling, except I was, I know I was very stressed. You know, if, if, if you're um, an actor, you know, you're, you're in the middle of it, or if you're a performer in a band, you're in the middle of it. So you're making the, the art. But if you've made the art and then handed it over to somebody else to perform, I'm always interested in how people respond to that. Do you, are you able to to enjoy it and emotionally react with with your music or or are you just listening for faults or things you could have done differently or how 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 does it feel? Yeah, there's a range of emotions here actually with this. Um, When you are having a premiere, um, it's it's a different kind of stress than, than from a piece that you've heard many times before and not least because Nobody else has heard it and the performers have never been able to interact with the music before. Uh, My solution for kind of, especially because I work a lot with orchestras and they get limited rehearsal time, is that I I write very, very detailed notation and, and, and as much detail as I possibly can, which kind of to make sure that my, uh, what I really want to say is, is set. Um, and then, as for myself in the audience, it's it's of course it's it's uh, there's stress, but but you get used to it, you know. You get you get used to having that stress with you and kind of uh, put it to the side and also try to enjoy it. Um, so absolutely, I am absolutely able to enjoy it, definitely. I, th- I think what you say, Anna, about the care that you take to make your music as immediate as possible for a performer from the page is one of the most important things as a writer. Yeah, and giving them that very clear direction in your scores. I mean, you must have good responses from first rehearsals, yeah? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. It's it's uh, it, it comes from kind of many perspectives for myself. I mean, it's it's out of respect. I mean, I always, when I'm writing music, I always try to put myself behind the instrument. I don't, of course, play all the instruments, but <laughs> but I put myself behind any part in the music and to know that, you know, the, the, the person behind that instrument understands what it is that I mean. And, and that's very important. And I feel that, um, and I actually take care and a lot of time doing that. Uh, you know, uh, so it's um, it's a combination of that, and also just to be sure that what what my um, what it is that I mean is communicated, and uh, because it's easy when you are spending so much time on something and you're internal listening and you you kind of you know it so well, there it's easy to miss something and to kind of think that you've already indicated it, but you haven't. So it's it's really a, a matter of kind of being technical at that stage in communicating the music. And, and I'm not talking about writing essays on top of every note. Absolutely not. That doesn't help anybody. It's <laughs> about being kind of clear in the indications. Write what you have to write. Uh, don't write more than you have to. That's also important. So... Um, yeah, it's something that you know, uh, I, I've spent a lot of time developing, I think, for myself, uh, how, how to communicate that. It sort of begs a wider question. You know, how, 
how do you work? Do you, do you have a particular place you work or do you have a particular time of day where you do most of the work or a routine? How, how, do, you, how do you do the mechanics of making music? When I've had very busy travel schedules, like before 2020, and, and which is now starting again, I always make sure to take um, have time that where I'm in the studio, where I'm able to work. Uh, and I'm very organized and which is good and it helps a lot for kind of organizing time to work uh, because you cannot essentially organize how long it takes for an idea to kind of emerge and and to be kind of realized so i organize time where i'm free in that time to uh, find the music and to uh, get it down on paper uh, and that you know it depends on where I am, sometimes I have to uh, work when I'm traveling and then I'm not at home, obviously, but but I have uh, a very nice studio uh, at home where I work, which is very good to have, where you can kind of leave the home and go into your workplace. That's really nice. And and yeah, I mean, mornings work really well for me. I, I like it, but I also it's it's all day when I'm working. And are you writing on a piece of software or do you handwrite on... I hand write uh, mostly because I, I I really need the space that the paper can you know provide. I have huge kind of arcs of paper that I hand write on, and uh, and that kind of allows me the freedom of not having the computer, which is you know it it it's a box, and I, I don't want to be in a box in the creative process. It's not until later when the piece is ready where I put it in the notation uh, device. Um, but before that, before I start to write it, I, I sketch it also to remember the music. So I have mnemonic devices to remember the music. Um, because for me, it's always, um, I'm very, very obsessed with, with structure and kind of progressions and how material move and in and out the focus and how it kind of uh, one becomes the next. Uh, so. I, I spend a lot of time of that of doing that in the initial stages um, before I actually sit down to write. And how, how do you how do you experiment with the sounds? Are you playing on a keyboard? Or you is it in your head or? It's all in the head. Wow. It's in the head, and it is it is really about kind of listening internally to the textures and nuances and sounds. And I. I I, and then, of course, having the knowledge to know how to um, kind of realize that with, with orchestration, mostly. Uh, as with, I mean, I write a lot for bigger ensembles and orchestras, so um, it's, it's really about orchestration and realizing kind of what instrument can do what. And, uh, influences do you have i i think there's a you're very influenced by by nature by 
by Iceland, are you? By, yeah. by the, 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 the landscapes and, and... Well, I'm, I'm, I'm influenced by kind of the energy uh, in, in nature and the kind of, uh, of kind of natural progressions and, uh, and nature as a whole. So it's not so much about, you know, specific nature or, or specific kind of natural phenomena, but it's, it's the energy it's in, and, and it's not constant. It's, you know, it's, it's more like when, when I'm inspired by nature, it's because of the kind of musical qualities that I find in it. Um, and obviously, I mean, being brought up in Iceland probably plays a part because, you know, you are surrounded by, you know, the ocean and, and I had mountains, you know, where I grew up, I could always see the mountains. And, uh, but I'm never trying to describe that really in my music. It's more about the uh, perspectives. I'm all, I, don't, I never know how pe- what goes on in people's heads when they're listening to music. But when I listen to your music, I feel like tectonic plates moving. You know, it's like the groaning and creaking and pressure is building and then gets released and... And it's like, you know, volcanoes and sea and things pushing against each other. And that, that's, that, that's how I see the, Iceland, the, 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 the nature yeah. aspect of it. I, don't I love it when I hear people reflecting on what they hear in music. And, yeah. and I, I absolutely, I, I treasure that. I think that's, that's one of the magic of music, that it invokes something in people that they feel and they see and you know, um, people describe to me, you know, that all of a sudden they find themselves kind of walking somewhere or something. It's, it's amazing. Um, for me, what I think maybe is, is, is kind of at least the way that I write music is that it, it has these often very long format um, kind of building uh, structures and, and is actually moving in perspective and moving in, in focus throughout um, kind of a relatively long period of time. That I do that a lot, especially in orchestra. Um, and I sometimes have, well, I've heard, heard other people ex, um, express that they feel there's space in my music. I, I, I understand what that means uh, for them, but I think it has to do with how I... Uh, move the material and, and work um, yeah. in in the in the progressions of the music, and I, obviously I, I, there's a lot of tension, and you know that's yeah. that's what music is about. And that it feels to me lots of tension building up in different ways, and then getting relieved, and then building. Yeah. And I find myself, um, you know, very physically reacting to it. It's not. I don't feel it, it's head music. I think it's body music. Oh, that's, I'm that's like, so oh, when you get, and then you get on to the next bit and it, it somehow feels very Icelandic I, I don't know if it's like the Coke Zero thing I'm, I'm looking at the package and I know you're Icelandic but it feels primal like that, that that's actually actually you know wonderful to hear for me uh, my music is actually quite physical mm. and the way that it, it I mean um, often when I'm writing music I really feel it in me and I often kind of pulsate a little bit even yeah. even as I'm writing and as I'm feeling it I kind of uh, move in a way and and there are different movements for different things uh, I've never talked about this but but it is very physical um 
and um, and somehow kind of I think that's that's a part of the the, the organic feeling uh, that I that I have for the music. It comes kind of from within and somehow almost dances in a way, kind of. Hmm. <laughs> it's sort of living and breathing with you, you know, yeah. and and it's it's evoking those physiological responses. See, I remember the first time I heard Metacosmos, I couldn't believe it, and I also remember when we were at the in Banff. In 2000 yeah. and whenever it was. Yeah. What's that? Banff? What's Banff? Banff, Banff. which Centre for Creative Arts in uh, Canada. Yeah. Uh, we were there with an ensemble and then I was featured and it was a lot of young composers and young performers who were experiencing new work. It was called Ensemble Evolution, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. And I yep. will never forget that uh, we, we played Metacosmos the New York Philharmonic recording to these young composers as a means of introducing uh, those who didn't already know you to them. And when it finished, you could just hear everybody breathing really deeply and almost the pin dropping and various people saying to me, I've never heard sounds like that from an orchestra before. And I think that's where your magic is, Anna. You are this alchemist of... All these different parts, you have 80 people and there's this wall of sound. And there is a question in this. Is <laughs> your happy place having a lot of players to communicate through? Is that is that your favorite place? I think that the 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 primary uh, reason for my passion for writing for orchestra and large ensembles is because that's what I hear, what I sense. There are so many, there are so many um, voices. There are so many layers, and um, they're not. They, they they don't have to sound like there are many layers. They don't have to sound like there are many voices. But but there's a magic in in um, the dimensions that you can get with. Um, an orchestra of 80 to 100 people mm. that you simply cannot get with anything else. You, you cannot create that with electronics or anything. There's, it's, it's very special. And it's, it's how I um, internally hear the music. Um, and that's kind of really organic, an, an organic passion. And I think also a sense of space and a sense of place and a sense of time and a sense of perspective it's what you want from music. I mean, music shouldn't be what how clever it is. It's what it does to you. You know. That's at least how I've always I've always been very um, true to the musical voice that that I have, mm. and um, and sometimes I mean I'm not afraid of using ultra lyricism almost if if that's what's right in a moment. Yeah. Um, and I'm not afraid to use very uh, different textures that are often kind of not considered very musical, but I really love weaving this together and to have the um, nuances and sounds and, and the extended techniques be almost lyrical, be mm. like melodies. Um, well, that's a passion.
where does the music come from? It's about taking the right ideas for the right pieces at the right time. You know, it's it's um, it's very hard to explain. I think for anyone who is in 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 creative arts, we're all of us creative, no matter what we do in life. But if you work as a you know visual artist or a composer, it's um it's a process that that's sometimes not even possible to explain. Uh, the, what I can say is that at the initial stages, when I'm uh, finding a piece, I do allow myself a lot of time, um, almost kind of meditating on the music that wants to emerge. And then, you know, throughout that time and throughout the whole time of making music, you get different ideas and different thoughts and, you know, you, you throw out some things that you already put in there and then you take in other things. And um, it's, it's um, for me personally, it's a very intuitive, uh, organic process that I always allow to be that. It's not easy. Uh, it's not meant to be easy, but, but um, it's very rewarding. I don't wish to compare us because... <laughs> we don't compare, well, but but I'm 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 writing a children's book at the moment, a, a story, oh, a novel, you know, wonderful. And, and I've written it several times, and and I'm mm-hmm. finding that it's throwing things away is almost more important than cutting things out is oh, almost yes. more important than putting things in. Oh, absolutely, it is. Absolutely, it is. And and it's about kind of finding, uh, at least the, the way that I think. of think about it in the process of composing music it's it's finding um the right uh materials for the right place because if you have um a material in a in a piece that is not placed right it's it's it might something really wrong but move it you know and it's absolutely right right and you just know you, you and that's where time comes in and you can't rush this process or for me, at least, uh, just live with the piece in real time. And that kind of, then things move and uh, shape and um, eventually kind of fall into a... Um, How do you know place. when it's finished? I don't know, but you just know. <laughs> just feel it. You, uh, yes, it's right. No. Uh, I, I can't explain it better than that. Yeah. Is there anybody that you play it to initially that that that, that gives you feedback, or it, it's 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 inside your head you decide? Yeah, it's inside my head that I decide, but also throughout the whole process. I mean, it, it you know, it's um, when I write out the the initial thing, it's not the, it's not it's almost never the the eventual product. The, the, the final product, I mean. Uh, it's it's a process throughout the whole project, but I don't play it for anyone to... I mean, also, like, uh, when you put the, my music into the notation device, it doesn't really make sense to play it from there because there are so many elements that the computer doesn't know how to play. They, you know, I use the Sibelius, program but and the, and 
it knows very well how to play harmonies, mm. but um, that's that's just one part of a very very uh, big kind of um, picture in my music. You know, you can never replicate that live texture through no. electronic means or whatever. No. Um, you were talking about. Uh, movement, Anna, you know, particularly in sort of hearing your music, there are particular movements that they inspire. And uh, I, you did a major dance piece, didn't you, uh, called Ion. How did you feel the addition of choreography alongside your work helped to amplify your intention? Right. Uh, so, yeah, when I was, uh, right, I wrote that, that piece, Ion, which, which is then with choreography by Erna Omostotir, who is an amazing artist. And, and writing that piece, I was also, um, there was one thing that she's a dancer, a contemporary dancer, and, and I didn't almost realize how physically I was myself experiencing my music. I think that she was the, one of the ones who were kind of pointing it out to me when I was explaining to her what I was doing the music. I, mean, I couldn't let her hear anything because, you know, it, it's not possible. But but I was explaining to her and she said to me, well, you're dancing. <laughs> and I was, oh, yeah. And, and I realized, but that was just me being normal. <laughs> and, 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 she, uh, and she kind of recognized that. And, and then I became very inspired by her uh, movement and her dance and and uh, in that piece I was obviously very inspired by her as well mm. uh, so I think when she was choreographing she uh, she took some inspiration from the kind of pulsating feelings that she had seen me being kind of projecting which was wonderful that I mean it's, it's her choreography 100% but it was wonderful to see how we were able to kind of organically um, be inspired by each other um, and yeah I mean it's a completely different thing to have to then have eight dancers on stage with the mm -hmm. orchestra in a piece that's immersive um, uh, kind of choreography mm -hmm. and, and uh, uh, orchestra so we so I, I, I thought of like uh, calling it um, choreographed symphonic stage work which I which explains yeah. I think what it is well exactly and of course you're going to have a different dance experience next year where two pieces that you didn't write for dance uh yeah. will be choreographed by yeah. Wayne McGregor and the Royal Valley and I, I'm fascinated to see how you and he navigate that whole experience I know you've had a few conversations but to take to, you know, metacosmos, catamorphosis, which is, you know, both those pieces show a real development in your in your writing. And it'd just be, I mean, what, have you got any idea what's going to happen? Not, not, I have no idea, but I'm really excited. And, uh, but um, I think it's, it's, it's a wonderful thing to combine our forms like this. I think it's wonderful. And, I'm really excited to uh, to see what what will happen and to see how much part of it or not I will be actually it's um, I will respect 
I will respect them 100%. And him, of course, it's... Uh, uh, but if, if they would want my input, I would be more than happy to. Yeah. A true collaborator always wants a composer's input. That's all I had. So that's a <laughs> subliminal message to our good yeah. colleague. What, what, what does the future um, look like? We've talked about some of the projects, but sort of just generally, I think, I think people are coming out of the last two years and, and they're either desperately looking to go back to the old normal or looking to for the great reset or the, the new normal. Uh, uh, will there be changes to your life after, the, after this strange interruption? Well, I mean, what my main thing that what I was actually also starting to try to do before we had COVID is to structure travel better. To I, I, I don't want to go somewhere long for um, a performance, and it's just a responsibility I think for everybody not to travel too much. Um, I have to travel, of course, uh, for my music, but to organize it in um, in clusters, in a way, kind of. And um, there, there, there is going to be a new normal, uh, already is. Um, but I, I think it's very important that we, of course, keep on making music and art. And it's never been more important, I think. Um, but yeah, it would be interesting. Um, we will have to see.